0: Everyone wants to do things faster, to get results right away, but that race to the finish line can often end in disaster, or at the very least, disappointing outcomes. That's increasingly the case as organizations hurry to introduce new technology without having explored all the possible impacts that it might have on the business, both good and bad, and without having any planning for how to address each potential issue. I'm Jane Singer and welcome back to A Seat at the Table, where we sit down with leading industry experts and innovators and get insights on how we can grow our businesses. Today we're joined by Pia Wendelbo, founder of Scandinavia Change Agents, Pia-led process organization and organizational change at Finland's largest bank, Nordia. In this podcast, she'll be discussing how companies can avoid making key mistakes when digitizing their operations what organizations can do to help team members embrace change, and why taking a slow approach to digital transformation can actually lead to faster and better results. Successful digital transformations rely on having the right people in key roles. However, finding those people is not always easy, especially when new technology is being implemented. That's why many leading companies turn to Asianet consultants. Asianet has a legacy of being able to fill even those difficult-to-fill roles. Their global network, built over three decades, gives them the key advantage in finding the right people for the right positions. You can learn more about them over at AsianetConsultants.com. I'll also leave a link in the show notes for this episode over on our website at www.seat.fm. Meanwhile, let's sit down with Pia and find out how we can successfully lead our organizations to a new digitized future. Yeah, I'm really delighted to have you with us here on A Seat at the Table. So much of what you have been involved in are things that most of our listeners have been involved in, or many of our listeners now in 131 countries. So we have a lot of people who are really looking to see how they can improve their businesses, whether they're working with enterprises or whether they're solopreneurs. And so I think it's really interesting to be able to learn from your experience, having worked on a lot of the things that now companies are being challenged with, and that is in particular, how do we scale our business in a way that doesn't throw the business and the people off the bus, so to speak, in the process? (laughs) Maybe we can start with what mistakes you see companies making as they try to scale, and what would you recommend that they do differently?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for for having me on the show. Uh, I'm very excited for for this dialogue here. Uh, And I think we're deep deep diving into a very exciting topic as well. Um, And I think uh, just uh, heading right off here, I think um, one of the most common things that I see companies not doing is actually realizing that when you are engaging into a bigger change, a, a digital change, you kind of forget the human side of that change. So you're focusing so much on trying to implement a new system, a new platform, a new product, uh, or, or that kind of thing. And then you kind of forget that there's actually humans behind all of this. So, so you really have to understand how we as humans take on change.
0: That's such a good point. And I think that a lot of people talk about the human side of things, but not so many execute on it. Now, some of it is just because it's inconvenient to do and there's just a focus on top line growth, get it done. But I think in other cases, you have people who just don't know what to do, right? They say, well, we need to focus on the human side. What does that mean? How do we execute on it? So based on your experience, what should people be doing along those lines?
1: Exactly. And on top of what you just said, that not knowing how to do it, it's actually also in our deans that we are kind of a bit biased because we are often overconfident of how fast people can grasp grasp new things and take them on. So that's another angle to what you were just saying. But in terms of what you can do, uh, I would say that the first thing I usually always challenge uh, business leaders with is, is uh, do you actually have enough slack in your in, in your process to, to actually take this new change in. So, what I often see is that there's a lot of stuff going on, right, in companies, and it's it's usually really hard to take things off the plate. So, so talking about a new strategy or a new platform you want to implement, then the first thing I would always suggest you do is to really talk about, okay, what can we take off? What should we stop doing uh, before we take this new thing on? Because when we as humans want to do things differently, we, we actually need some time to adjust to it. And it takes it, it takes a while, right? Uh, it's not something you just change over a day. And I think if we go back in our own normal life uh, and we want to change a habit, we also know that it's not something we just do in one or two days. It actually takes us a while to get this implemented, right? So, so I often see that companies don't really realize that they're employees actually needs time to adjust to to the new way of working, which this usually relates back to.
0: I think that's such a great point. And I like the fact that you said that you need to think about what you can stop doing or cut back on to give yourself that space, that bandwidth, so to speak, to start to take something on new that might take more time initially as you're learning it and adjusting to it and figuring it out. And then later on, of course, it'll be faster and more streamlined, but you probably won't go from zero to hero and understanding that, recognizing it and giving your team space. That's just huge. I think people would just like, like literally people listening to this are probably just sort of exhaling and thinking, Oh yes, that's,
1: that's what I need. Right. exactly and yeah and it's it's just about prioritizing but but usually it can be quite hard in companies right it's easy to say just to down prioritize but often it's it's more hard because you're kind of Pressuring each other, right? There's usually a lot of different initiatives between the different departments in a company as well. So, so it's really about challenge, uh, sort of uh, going for the same goals and agreeing, you know, what is actually number one priority here. So, so having a system that kind of helps you maybe on monthly or weekly basis to really prioritize what you're doing will also speed up your process of uh, implementing new changes or development uh, stuff. So, so it's really helpful to, to sort of change your mindset around that one.
0: Yes, yeah. It's so important because we've sort of prioritized speed for the sake of speed, I think, in the last, let's say, two decades. And, of course, everybody wants things fast. That's part of human nature. But I think you're pointing out that what really needs to be said is that if you go a little bit slower, you can get there, and without all the chaos and confusion And, you know, potential losses of of either people or money in in order to actually achieve what you're looking for by doing it a little bit slower. And like you say, in a more step-by-step method.
1: Exactly. So fast is slow, right? Yes. Yeah. Fast is the new case. Yeah. Yeah. Slow is the new fast. exactly exactly yeah and exactly like uh, taking micro steps so so that's actually what we build on so don't build two big elephants either i see that a lot also that you you expect to have huge chunks of work done uh, quickly so rather take a lot of small steps uh, instead of a big uh, chunk here um, and that's another thing also you know, when we talk about uh, digital transformation or implementing innovation into your company, uh, it's actually a constant thing. So it's something that you should constantly work on evolving. And then it's better to take small, uh, consistent steps in take of, instead of doing a big chunk of work and then stopping and then not really going anywhere after that. So so that's something I see a lot as well um, in this. And I think also that in terms of uh, of business leaders, it's really important to be curious um, because another thing that is quite important when we talk about how to actually effectively implement change and make it sustainable long-term, right? Is to to really be curious about what kind of behavior are you actually looking for? A lot of people don't really dive in and saying, okay, why are we actually doing this change? What are we looking for? What kind of behaviors do we wanna see uh, for the future by, by changing this particular thing? And then when you un- really understand what behavior you're looking for, then you should be curious about the frictions. And I don't see people either spend time on that. So you have to deep that really closely to all the frictions you can come up. You know, Why don't people necessarily want to change the way that they're working with this particular process, for instance? What's behind this? So you really understand these frictions. And then when you have these frictions uh, lined out, then you can start finding solutions for each friction. And that's a really healthy and and very interesting process actually to go through uh, when you are trying to do a transformation uh, of company.
0: Yes. I think that's a very, very good point because everybody's talking about digital transformation. There is tremendous pressure on companies, uh, particularly if it's a large enterprise, one where there's a board of directors who's guiding things or a public company. And it's like, what are you doing about this? Uh, You know, what's your digital transformation? And yet, Most digital transformations either fail completely or they're far less successful than what people had hoped for. You end up spending a lot of time, a lot of money, oftentimes a a tremendous amount of money for very disappointing results. And I think what you're pointing out is important is to first understand, well, where are we going with this? What are we hoping to achieve and what could hold us back? That's something that most people don't think about. Um, You know, from your experience, what do you see? And I I know every company is different, but are there typical points of friction that you see just coming
1: up again and again? Yeah, I I see actually going a bit back to what I started saying, the slack part. So, So usually you always talk, when you talk about transformation, right? You always talk about people's mindset, but I see actually in many cases that people actually are generally quite motivated by maybe this new change they they, they mm. can actually see the, the idea of maybe changing this particular process or implementing this system but then not having the slack because there's so much else to do right now that it's kind of I don't really have the time for it so so it's so easy to fall back to to what I used to do because it's easier for me right mm. we, our brains are very very uh, lazy so so it's I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but there's this uh, neuroscience uh, perspective, like the dual process theory of our system one and two. And that actually comes a lot into play when we are talking about transformations, because usually as people, we want to spend as little uh, time as possible um, using our brains, right? It needs to be as easy as possible for us. Uh, but a lot of the change actually demands that we use our system two to actually navigate around these new things. And that's that's what... Companies kind of miss out. So if you have too much else on your table, a lot of other stuff you need to do, then then it's so uh, then it's even harder for you to kind of focus on the new things because you, you need an extra bandwidth to actually take that new thing in and work with with new methods uh, around it. Yeah. So so that's definitely uh, one of the things I often see uh, happening. And then the fear, the fear of change. Uh, so so you don't really understand how people actually, uh, what is the working mode? Uh, You know, how do they take things on? So understanding your team members and how they actually react both in decisions, but also how they generally prefer to work is also something that is very important to understand when you're taking on a change, because if you don't, then you will have a lot of assistance um, in in taking on the change. Right, right.
0: And I think that's really important to point out is that very few people in leadership will sit down with the team and say, okay, this is what we're looking to do, right? This is why we're excited about it. But what do you feel might not be good about it? Or, you know, where do you feel nervous about it? Or are there concerns that you have? Not necessarily in that exact language, but, you know, to try to give people that forum to express resistance that they have so that you can tackle it. I mean,
1: how how would you yeah how would you approach that um i think it's it's really important so so that is actually the baseline of uh, of a leader i usually say that one of your best of most important tools is actually curiosity so so you really have to be very open-minded uh going into this and then you exactly have to be curious so you have to, to ask all your team members how they actually feel to create this psychological trust in the team where it's very fair and common to actually raise your hand and saying, I don't necessarily understand this or this makes me a bit uh, sort of uncomfortable or I don't necessarily know how to do this or I'm afraid uh, will I be able to do this good enough and that kind of thing. And then I think if you're kind of in a place where you are then creating this psychological trust, you as a leader needs to be very uh, empathic uh, when people then dare to come and speak to you. So you kind of have to walk the talk and show them that it's perfectly okay to be open and say things out loud you actually want that so so it's it's uh, it's exactly the behavior that you're looking for going back to what we talked about before right so what kind of behaviors are, are you celebrating uh, is important and then another thing to kind of overcome this as well is maybe to play around of no hats so so you kind of when you kick something off you always start kind of talking around, you know, how how would this look like if we fail? What could fail for us? What would these things that um would would not work for us and that kind of thing. So it's not just a one person sitting and saying a lot of negative things, but it's kind of something you do in the team. So it kind of feels mm-hmm. safe to come up with stuff that concerns you. So you don't yeah. feel that you're just a negative person in the room, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that a lot of people Feel concerned about job loss. And of course, anytime there's a change in industry, there's always that fear of job loss. Right now, of course, the you know, sort of the uh monster in the room is AI. And from everything I've heard from people who actually really are hands-on in AI, it's not likely to replace most people that will just create different jobs. But there is a tremendous fear. So when you're rolling out anything new in the company, there is that fear from people of what's going to happen to my job, and therefore I'm going to reject this because it could cause job loss. And 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 it does, in many companies, mean that they do have to change some of the jobs around. How do you suggest leadership tackle this? Because let's face it, sometimes it does involve laying off some people or bringing in some new people. But how do you quell, you know what I mean, that underlying current of fear of, okay, this is going to be bad
1: news, like a lot of people are going to be losing their jobs? Uh, usually what I do with, with something like that is that I suggest that we experiment. Uh, so it's kind of in a safe space so we can move forward. But then if it doesn't work, we can always move back again. So that usually makes it a bit more safe to step out to something you don't really know what's all about. And by allowing yourself to experiment and fail, uh, it, it feels a bit less uh, sort of intimidating. And then when you start experimenting, then you start to get uh, the knowledge around, okay, what is this actually about? How can we use it? How can we use utilize uh, this particular thing? how will this impact my particular job how can i play around with this to improve my skills and my growth uh, as well so, so you so by kind of uh, allowing this experimental uh, approach uh, it usually levels out a lot of this fear so so having the autonomy i would say in a team to be able to do so is is really really uh, important and unfortunately i have seen uh, especially also with this ai that quite many companies are closing down this instead so they are not allowing their employees to actually play around for instance with chat uh, GDP or other of these uh, chatbots because they are so afraid about uh, what about personal data and mm. leaks and risks and all kinds of things and I, w- I would turn this around and of course we need to be very careful about personal um sharing personal data uh, take that out of course but but Otherwise, if you don't allow people to play around with it, if you don't experiment, you're going to be left behind. So, so I, would, I would turn this around and see it as an opportunity instead. Um, that, was, that would be how I would uh, grasp this
0: yeah i think that's interesting and i think you're right the more you ban something and forbid it the more people want it just because it's forbidden and they they there's sort of a resentment whereas if you can bring it in and let people play with it and they figure out these are the good points these are the bad points you you make it an asset rather than a liability so to speak
1: now what about exactly and, and another thing also in terms of fear right is usually when we are fearing something, it's because we don't really know what, what this is about or how it will affect us. But allowing ourselves to play around, experiment, kind of levels out a lot of that fear, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, with a lot of technology that comes in, oftentimes it requires somewhat of a different skill set than what people who are currently working in the company have. And, you know, I, I suppose there's a challenge for companies to determine... Do we train the people that we have in the new technology and systems, or do we have to replace them with people who already are skilled in this? And that can be a very big challenge for companies to figure out what to do. Um, you know, training costs money. Um, on the other hand, getting rid of people who've been loyal has a cost as well. How do you see that? How would you and I realize, like I say, every company is different, every scenario is different, but in general, what would your approach be
1: to that? My approach to that would actually be again like testing it out and then inviting some some specialists in actually that has the right level of knowledge because. When you're then uh, bodying up with people, um, then it's a really fast way of growing. So if you're kind of interacting and and getting to know exactly how to do this, then you will learn faster. So usually what I do is that I I build teams where there's specialists with a very high level of this. And then there's upcoming stars uh, in the team as well. And then they kind of body up and then you see very fast growth uh, of a lot of these capabilities, Uh, of course, it depends a bit also on which kind of capabilities we are talking about, because of course some particular things can be like years of uh, sort of expertise, because before you, before you really know all the details of it, and then of course there you need to consider having a, a specific person hired in to do that that job. But generally, what I see is that um, having these specialists going in with the team, and then having this kind of growth part where you where you kind of have the body. Um, is a really fast way of gaining knowledge and overview uh, and it also helps you as a company to sort of detect okay where should we maybe uh, level up even further because when you're then starting to work like this then maybe you figure out okay this particular competence is something we really need to have ourselves in the company and then you can start hiring because usually also as a leader you might not in the beginning know exactly either what to look for right so having the specialist in and starting to work with it again from a, a bit of an experimental point of view, gives you also a better overview of what you're actually looking for and what is important for you. So, so I would always uh, sort of suggest to, to hit it off like that.
0: I think that's really good sense. And I think that, you know, I'm a big believer in that people are trainable, that if somebody wants to learn something, they can. And the sense that because they don't know how to do it now doesn't mean they're never going to know how to do it is not really true, that it's more attitude right then than aptitude and I'm, exactly. I'm, very, I'm very glad you brought that up because you really do see people just feel, well, if someone already doesn't know how to do that, then what's the use? But sometimes they don't have that skill, but they have massive company knowledge and layering on the skill set is easier, right, than it is to try to take someone and get them to understand your organization. Uh, but But unfortunately, exactly. yeah, a lot of people don't see it that way. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, that training can actually be a really big investment for companies. It's an investment that really can pay huge dividends. Exactly. Right now at the end of 2023, and we're looking at heading into fairly challenging times and people are under pressure to think about how they can rethink their processes at the moment. What would you say should be the immediate thing that companies should look at right now? Not not a million things, but right now, what would what should they focus on at the moment?
1: I think that companies should focus much more on uh, ensuring that both their leaders but their employees actually have space and time to grow. Because I think, for me at least, a major skill of the future is adaptability and the ability to actually learn fast because things are moving so fast ahead. So being able to be uh, sort of navigating well in a constant change is something I believe is going to be very important uh, differentiator for companies uh, in the future.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. I think you've summed it up really, really well. Pia, you've shared so many interesting things and, you know, I've really enjoyed learning from you here. And I think a lot of people have also and probably have their own questions and would love to be able to reach out to you. How can people connect with you?
1: They can either, you know, search me on LinkedIn on Pia Vendorful, or they can also go to my website. So It's ScandinavianChangeAgents.com. Okay. Well, I'm going to put
0: all of those links in the show notes, and you'll be able to find them on our podcast website at seat.fm. So you'll be able to click those links and connect directly to Pia. And I want to thank you again, Pia, for joining us here on A Seat at the Table.
1: It was a pleasure to join.